Welcome to Cult Faves, a podcast about cults. I'm Cher. And I'm Gwenda. And we're going to do much better this time with our... (laughs) (laughs) And apparently this is supposed to be the easy part, the (laughs) the who we are and what this is. And yet... (laughs) I know. And yet... And yet... I'm like all discombobulated. What's going on, girl? So, um, so last night, by the way, I thought of you because I Ooh. was, uh, I was trolling through Netflix for something to watch. Uh-huh. And there is something that it keeps advertising me that has Jim Jones, um, uh, which I know I'll break down and watch at some point. Uh-huh. Um, but I ended up watching Constantine, uh, which, <laughs> which of course stars your boyfriend. Your... Keanu, one of my boyfriends, <laughs> one of my long-term boyfriends. One of I'm your very, long-time relationships. My, I'm very, very committed when I have, like, you know, everybody has, like, their top five celebrity crushes or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm very loyal and committed to my, my, like, to make that top five, it's it's intense. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of filtering and a lot of criteria that there have to be is, met. because I'm a very fickle bitch, so, <laughs> um... Yeah, I like my top five. Most of them have been my top five since high school. One of them sadly died because um, Chris Cornell used to be in my top five. Oh, and then Johnny Depp used to be in my top five, but he's Ugh. dead. But he is dead to me. So <laughs> yeah. one really he, died, and one is just dead to me. He fooled us all. <laughs> yeah, for so long. <laughs> and Keanu's been in my top five since high school. And I da- would be heartbroken if he turned out to be a dirtbag. He seems like a decent. He seems like a decent sort. And uh, Dave Grohl's in my top five. So oh. right now my top five is just Dave Grohl, Keanu, and I. I think I'm. I think I tentatively was flirting with adding <laughs> Timothy Oliphant to that to my top five. But the earring. He's been wearing an earring again lately, and it's just not. It was. So- I, I, it's yeah. <laughs> He reminded me of a guy that I really didn't like in college, which, you know, is like, yeah, that's I can the see, kiss I can of see death, that. right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> so I watched Constantine, guy? and uh, it was, you know, the first quarter of it's a pretty good urban fantasy movie. It's uh-huh. not much of a Constantine movie. It yeah. also has Shia LaBeouf before mm. he... Shia LaDouche. Uh, self-destructed, yes. And it also had this great line that I typed down. Um, at one point, the detective... Uh, is like basically being like, I know who you are to Constantine. And she actually says, I know the circles you travel in, the occult, demonism, exorcisms. (laughs) I'm like, like, who talks like this? And I'm like, well, sometimes we do on the podcast, but that's different. (laughs) I know. That's amazing. And now I think I have to like rewatch it. I, I mean, it's, it in so long. it's it not was, great. <laughs> it's, it's not, not great. as bad as everybody made it sound like it was. No, it's, not it's great. really not. It's really not. It's just not a very great John Constantine movie. Right. But uh, if you can set that aside and just think of it as like an urban fantasy movie starring Keanu Reeves, it's fine. To be honest, I don't. I'm not like super versed on Constantine. Well, so, so you, yeah. So that won't bother you at all. Not at all. So those were some of my favorite comics, but at any rate. So I'm that, that I did that. I'm still thinking about what my else? top five now. Well, I don't even think I have a top five. Like, oh my I need God, to you get have one. to have one. Make one I, immediately. I, I feel like everyone has fallen out of it over the years. I'll have to really think about it. I'm more I like very a, much have a type, as you can yeah. tell. And they, like, because they all are kind of reminiscent of each other. There's all, uh-huh. like, the longer oh, totally. hair, the kind of dirty... Oh my god, they're actually all musicians too. Well, I'm, 
were like, all musicians. I'm such a sap, though. Mine are all like, I read an interview where somebody seemed really smart and dreamy, and then yeah. I liked them in one thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not, I don't, I, I don't know. Like, I'm terrible at, I'm terrible at celebrities. I mean, most of mine would be dead. Like, they're all like 1940s <laughs> and 50s. What does that say about me so that, much? That you like dead people? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I feel like it's I a mean, very specific type of rom-com that's sort of sexy, yeah. but not really. Yeah, like your Cary Grant type. Um, Cary and even, Grant's good. And even even if Cary Grant was not into ladies. Um, Cary Grant I, was. He was very straight. You're thinking Rock no, Hudson. No, I'm not. Cary Grant was, was in the closet. What? He had a long time guy that he lived with. There was a new memoir that came I out this year. I don't know that that's true. I don't know that uh, that's true. Well, his family has sort of lightly denied it, but just Google it. There's a lot. And there was a book that came out earlier this year, which actually I desperately need to read, but I listened to an interview with the guy that wrote it, and he basically had tracked down this guy who sort oh, of Randolph ran... Scott? Yeah, like ran gay Hollywood back in the back in that period, um, sort of hooking people up with who couldn't be out. Um, and, but the great thing about Cary Grant is he grew up in the circus. Um, and so like <laughs> so some, some of my favorite, he grew up in like the vaudeville world and he could still do all that stuff. Um, so he, you know, like there's holiday with he and Catherine Hepburn is one of my favorites and he does a backflip in it. <laughs> so yeah, Cary Grant's on my top. <laughs> I actually managed to put a reference to Cary Grant in almost every book I write. Trivial. Really? I have, there was one year, every book that I wrote had a Cary Grant reference in it. I was very huh. proud of that. I don't know. I don't know if they were. Anyway, it's definitely something that many people believe about. Oh him. yeah, I think that's easy to believe it because he's so. You know, I don't know though. I feel like. I mean, it's not. I feel like, like it that's matters. such a. I know it doesn't, but I feel like sometimes it's such a slippery slope because I feel like sometimes a lot of. I feel like when you're famous, gay rumors tend to follow you even when you're not, and I don't oh, know why true. that is. It's like, true, but but I mean, sometimes like, it is true, and but sometimes it's I mean, not. I don't. Are, I don't get it. Yes, yeah, true, but there are like letters that he signed to other guys that they seem like love letters. I mean, it just. I my my suspicion is that he was bi. Actually, yeah, I can believe that. <laughs> I believe that I believe that he was bi before I believe that he was just fully gay. Yeah. I think more men are bi than admit that they are. Oh, absolutely. Whereas like I feel like women are more I feel like first of all, I feel like every woman is bi. Yeah. I, I like I just I don't I don't care what anyone says. I feel like every woman is bi. It's just varying degrees of bi. <laughs> Like some yeah. are a little bi. Like I think like once or once in your life, like every woman's been attracted to another woman sexually, but like whether or not they've acted on it is a whole other thing. So I think women are more fluid with their sexuality by nature than men are. I mean, it is definitely true that if you look at pictures of Randolph Scott and Cary Grant, it's hard not to see them as a couple. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, whichever. How did we get on this? Well, I don't know. Top of, five. Because you watched Constantine fits. and that exactly. Because I watched Constantine. Yeah, which, exact, which obviously leads to a conversation One about whether or not Cary, yeah, Cary Grant's close. sexuality, of course. I agree. Um, I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> 
Well, we are going to talk about California today. Okay. Well, I mean, when I feel like... When are we not? I actually feel like yeah. we should put a moratorium on it. Like, we should have a month when we're not allowed to We should to actually have to try cults. cults that did not either start or form <laughs> or or at one point exist in California. Right. But this one that might be impossible. Not, but this one's not going to be one of those. Okay. <laughs> so hit me with this because I know nothing and I kind of like when I don't know anything because then I can just react to whatever shit. You yeah. Well, and, okay. and I didn't know anything about this either. So I found out about this because there was uh, the San Francisco Chronicle wine writer did this enormous feature story called the law, the lost civilization of California wine. And my friend, Aaron, sent me a link to it with the with an all caps wine cult exclamation point exclamation point exclamation point and i was like i am so in i'm so sick of satan i'm totally doing this as my next call so to be fair i would join a <laughs> wine cult like that would i mean i don't even need context <laughs> so i was i was telling christopher about this and and he kept going all right where's the downside like wait i'm waiting for the downside um, so this place is called the Fellowship of Friends, um, mm. and that sounds it is, a little pedoey for some reason. Well, funny you should say that. Oh but God, we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna <laughs> we're not get there, there right yet. away. Okay, go ahead, go. It does remind me a lot of. There are definitely things that remind me of the Buddha Fields a little bit here, uh-huh. even though the timing is a little bit earlier. But this place is still around, as we'll learn. The guy, ah, um, fantastic. So it's do they, a. Do they do wine tours? <laughs> what do they do wine tours? Well, the, so we'll get to that. The winery <gasps> they're it, divesting. If, oh, so we probably it. we probably could go visit the. Winery. I was going to say we probably should do that. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for science, <laughs> right? Purely. Uh, so its headquarters are in this place called Oregon House, which is a thirteen. And it has a thirteen hundred acre plot of land there that it calls Apollo. Um, and now there's about 600 people there. There were more people there kind of in its heyday. They claim that they have about 1,200 members worldwide. And the way that they make money is that members are required to pay a tithe on their gross monthly income. And that has been the case since it was founded in 1970. Okay. So it was founded by this guy named Robert Earl Burton um, in 1970, January 1st. And he purchased, like, this land in 1971 based on dues, I guess. It describes itself as a fourth-way spiritual school. And I wasn't super familiar with that, but it's basically these two guys named George Gurdjieff and Peter Upinski, whose names I'm sure I'm not saying right, um, sort of mashed together a whole bunch of different stuff. And um, as we've seen many times... And Robert Burton kind of added a bunch of elements from Sumerian and Egyptian texts and Greek mythology. As one does when you're the Old Testament and the New Testament. Yeah. uh, Buddhist test, Buddhist teachings, like all sorts of things. Its main goal is to, it, it basically believes that all people are asleep. And so you have to do work if you want to be awake and live in the present moment. Um, and it huh. claims that if you can awaken spiritually, then you will live forever. So, so it's kind of has an interesting twist on some of this stuff. Kind of in- sounds like the Matrix related. Yeah, I- so we're still in the Keanu zone, right? I'm so- pretty sure he also is part <laughs> owner of a winery, but I might have just made that part up. 
Well, he definitely just founded like a publishing imprint, right? He d- yeah, he did. And he drinks a lot of wine. But go on. <laughs> um, so do I. We have that in common. I know. <laughs> so uh, so they believe that they have to surround themselves with and preserve um, beauty, knowledge, and culture, like the highest forms of everything. So they have their own, they had their own ballet troupe and theater, like some people that we knew. <laughs> in the Buddha fields. Uh-huh. Uh, they also had like a school, a restaurant, a museum, according to some of these things. So basically they built this big uh, French chateau, like kind of uh, insane, awesome. I mean, it really does look awesome and it's in a beautiful place. Sort of headquarters on this terrace. To, and it has this vineyard next door that they expanded, which we'll talk Where more is about. This? At California, Oregon. It's I know it's weird that it has the name of another state. I'm getting a spinning ball of doom again, and I keep forgetting what it's called, but it's Oregon House is the name of the... But it's in California. It's in California. Okay, I just want to make sure I'm keeping it. I know, it's weird, right? Um, (laughs) Well, and so so this was like before California wine was really a thing, right? They decided Uh at some point they needed to start having wine, and they kind of had these terraced hillsides that turn out to produce insanely good wine, but they sort of backed into that as we'll talk about, by accident. What's the name of the winery? Renaissance. Although there's now some people have taken it over and are kind of bottling the grapes under different names. Renaissance wine? But Renaissance wines was their specific wines. And they're apparently really good and relatively affordable for really top-notch California wines. Mm -hmm. And they just have had, they're trying to sell them off. (gasps) Wait, is this it? Have you had? Renaissance winery? Probably. Yeah. Is that, really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, they they answer. aren't bottling anymore, but they're trying to sell off what they have because the Fellowship of Friends needs money. So they had, like, 2,000 members that were all these, like, smart, artistic people. A lot of them were artists um, and who really believed, like, Wait, we... Wait, hold on to- one second. Dude, their wines are expensive. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, they probably have gone up since this. They they're were like around, around 60, 50- 50 yeah. to 60. Apparently, that's not expensive for this level of California Shut wine. According. Up. According to the wine writer. I mean, these apparently are some of the best wines that California has to offer. Glenda. And, and very affordable. Glenda. Yes. We have to order some of these wines. <laughs> Maybe when I get my next book payment. <laughs> okay. We should, though. That would be good. We should make this a Patreon. Go ahead, go on. <laughs> Patreon. People, send us Renaissance wines. Yes. Um, so he was, right, he on. started, so he started out as a school teacher mm-hmm. and um, he basically started sort of not necessarily preaching, I guess, isn't the right word, but maybe it is out of his sort of VW van at the time. He believes as, that one, he does. Has, <laughs> as one does, he believes he has 44 angels who talk to him and not everyone has angels that talk to them. He is special. Uh, they include Abraham Lincoln, Plato and Jesus Christ. Uh, so wait, this sounds others. familiar. This sounds very it ch- does children of God. Because don't they believe in like random angels that are like yes, okay, like Elvis. There are so <laughs> many elements of this oh that sort of like it's almost like an amalgam of a bunch of different cults we've talked about. Um, he also has made lots of doomsday predictions, and of a lot course. of people just think of them as a doomsday cult. Um, and so, but there's you so know, much more. They have yeah, they have wine. He claims that he has um, this gift of prophecy. These angels tell him things. And so over the years, there have been multiple disasters that have not panned out, which is why part of the reason why their flock has decreased in number. 
So he has predicted at different times a depression in 1984, mm. uh, the fall of California in 1998, which may be where that other guy got it, nuclear holocaust in 2006, and he also claimed, he, he, the prophecy told him that the Mayan apocalypse was not going to be in 2012, it was going to be in 2018. So he believes that so there's another <laughs> threat coming in October, which... We will talk more about. Fantastic. Well, maybe Trump <laughs> is that threat. Maybe he's right. Dun, dun, maybe. Dun. <laughs> dun, dun. He finally Plot is going to get one right after five or six. I mean, you got to admire like the you got to admire the moxie of somebody who's like you know my previous apocalypse and the persistence. Yeah, my previous apocalypses have apocalypses haven't worked out, but this next one but this I'm was feeling good about. It. It's I'm like that episode. Good. It's like that episode of Parks and Rec with the Doomsday Cult that always rents out the park. Yeah, and then yeah, they like, yeah, exactly. and then like Ron like exactly meet the foods for it, and they're like, "Oh, pay by check, wink, wink," <laughs> thinking they're getting over on someone. It's like, nah, dude, your check's gonna, you're still paying. So, oh, so you were asking where this is? It's about seventy miles north of Sacramento. They have mounted productions of Mozart's Don Giovanni in a nearby valley that was uh, supposedly that. a really good. They um, were known in the art and antique world as serious collectors. They had to sell off their museum full of uh, like Chinese furniture and uh, other things for $11.2 million, uh, to, among others, Disney chief Michael Ovitz, bought a pair of elaborately carved cabinets for $607,000, according to this piece I found from 1996. What? So and we'll talk about why they got into financial oh, I can't wait. Um, but so they had, so this place, Apollo, was nuts. They had a zoo at one point, apparently, uh, and there are still camels there. Um, they have all these arts, gardens, fountains, uh, Steinway pianos and other valuable things were kind of like all around the property. Um, and, uh, let's see, they, um, you know, they were really into ballet, opera and painting and wine. Um, so Apollo, which is where they live is next door to the Renaissance winery and it shut the winery down three years ago. Um, it was by far the most successful thing they had in terms of making money, but obviously if they were able to amass collections of that caliber, he recruited a lot of very wealthy people and they're giving him at least 10% of their monthly income. So they had money. Right. Uh, um, so he really bummed the, out that they closed down the winery. Well, no, but it's still, it's actually a good story because people sort of have rebuilt from the ashes and it's no longer in the hands of a cult. So new people can make non cult related. Ones. Okay. Because a lot of because one of the reasons why these wines are relatively affordable is because a lot of distributors and stuff didn't want to work with the winery based on some of the things it was involved in. But they didn't always know that, though, right? Well, it basically so in the eighties was when they hit their probably peak, and they had twenty five hundred members mm -hmm. around the world. Mm -hmm. Again, he's teaching this thing based on the fourth way that we're in this waking sleep or whatever. Um, oh, other, others of the angels are, uh, Walt Whitman and Leonardo da Vinci. Uh, clearly, <laughs> um, 
He wrote in a memoir, this is a quote from the piece by the wine writer, Leonardo and I are very different, but we are also very similar from the point of view of presence. <laughs> okay, dude. Right. Go. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see here. So they attract all these people. He has all these like psychologists, sculptors. There's a guy named Gideon Beinstock that we're going to talk a lot about who was a former member who was their winemaker when they were making their these really good wines. Mm-hmm. Um, and his story of how he got involved in this was pretty interesting. His name um, reminds me of the a character in uh, The Producers. I'm probably saying it wrong. Because <laughs> um, right, isn't... Oh, what's one of the, the characters? That's right. There is a... You're right, though. It's very similar. So Renaissance decides that they need to have... Um, they Max need to Bialy have a, stock. Sorry. Oh, Max Bialy stock. <laughs> decides that they need to have a winery because they're into everything good life and what's more good life than winery. Um, so they eventually planted 365 acres of wine and uh, of vines and produced more than 40,000 cases of wine. Oh my God. That um, sounds so good. This, this piece is great. Um, actually, and you should definitely like all read it. It's, um, so, 1976 was basically when they started and um there was a guy in charge who didn't really know anything about wine and so their early ones were not that good meanwhile this Gideon Beinstock guy was in Paris and he was looking for something he was in his 20s and he was just desperately trying to find something that he could believe in like he went through kind of a Buddhism phase a Sufism phase and he bought a book about the fourth way that had a bookmark with a phone number for the Fellowship of Friends, which is interesting because this was apparently one of their recruiting mechanisms. And the Church of Satan also used to do this. <laughs> so there you go. So um, they would just like leave like, like pamphlets in books. Like, well, in it was a book or about they wrote a book. It was a book about this fourth way. Okay. So they're like planting these. I assume he bought it like at a bookstore, used bookstore, and then finds this and calls the number. Um, he was a native of Israel and he'd left there and he had become somewhat like known as a painter. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically like he just wasn't in a good space. Uh, and <laughs> so he goes to this meeting his account of this cracks me up. He goes to a fellowship meeting in Paris in 1978. And and I quote, he says, everybody looked weird. <laughs> Either they wouldn't make eye contact with him or stared at him intently. Only later did he learn that their creepy countenances of the road rose from fellowship prescribed mental exercises. What? Yeah. So apparently sometimes... Yeah, I know. So uh, he he says, and I love this, I went home with the clear decision that I'm not joining this band of idiots. (laughs) (laughs) However, soon after joining, uh, he realized that the reason people were being so weird is because they would be given these mental exercises Mm -hmm. um, by Burton that he would just create these you know, random rules, like don't use the word I or hi, or, you know, don't put your elbows uh, on the arms of a chair. Don't cross your legs. don't say I or hi. Or thing or whatever. Like just these random, like sort of small things that they're supposed to make. It almost sounds like a militant, like Miss Eloise. 
Yeah. Well, like in, in his theory and in, in the rationale was like to make you examine, right? Like these everything you do and these common behaviors or whatever. But in practice, it made people behave like like weirdos. Yeah. Uh, and also the he also had rules for personal conduct. No premarital sex. Well, hmm. Do you think that he was following that? We'll see. Uh, and not. no pants wearing for women. Oh, well, yeah. This cult lost me on the last two. You had me up until that. <laughs> so in the 90s, there was a lawsuit by an ex-member, um, Troy Busby, that that Burton had brainwashed him and propositioned him for sex while he was still a minor. And so there were all these allegations that started coming out that he sexually abused young boys. And basically, like, kind of surrounded himself with them. He was asked for $5 million in damages at the time. Uh, and basically, the suit alleged that the fellowship was just a means of satisfying his voracious appetite for perverted sexual pleasure and an elegant lifestyle. There was also an earlier lawsuit by a guy named Sam Sanders, not that Sam Sanders, <laughs> in 1985, um, who made similar um, charges and both got settled out of court. He did not publicly deny these charges at the time, although a lawyer filed an anonymous lawsuit, basically like trying to complain about libel and defamation. Interestingly enough, those dirtbags at WikiLeaks have a letter that they claim up there. One of the things I found out, and it's like the only time I've ever gone to the WikiLeaks website. So you guys. Like, I hope you appreciate what I'm willing to do for you. Have uh, you ever <laughs> gone to WikiLeaks? I never have. This link came up, though, and there's not really that much online despite, uh-huh. besides this big feature that this lady just wrote. Um, and so basically it was a lawyer. It was the lawyer resigned. It was a letter from the lawyer when he resigned as their attorney saying that he believed that they were committing all these crimes and that he was no longer going to basically be involved in covering it up. So but, the he crimes, was, <laughs> but the crimes that they were committing were that the founder was sexually abusing young men. That was part of it. And then they also were not paying their taxes. And they weren't paying taxes. They owed, They were paying some, but they owed like $2 million in taxes at one point. And they didn't become an official religion until like later in the 70s. So they owed about $2 million. And this um, is in the 70s that they earned, They owed $2 million. So that's like yeah. a shit ton of money now. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So <laughs> 1998, so the late 90s was not a good, not a good year, let's say. It was not a good period for these people because he had predicted that California would, would fall into the sea and it didn't happen. So hundreds of people left at that point. They're like... You know, we were told we, that we were going to fall into the sea, and we didn't, so we're out of here. So that was one I of mean, the biggest... I gotta be honest, like, that makes me, I have so many questions for those people. Like, I know. How di- like, listen, we were totally expecting the world to end, and it didn't, so fuck you, we're gone. Yeah, like, that's wouldn't right. you be happy the world didn't end? Apparently not. Amazing. <laughs> Apparently they really want the world to end. Um, I wonder if they just, like, went looking for a new doomsday cult. Probably... Probably. Um, I mean, that seems to be the that seems to be the way. I mean, or they're just like, can you come up with another day? Like, and you, can you imagine the uh, having to explain again, um, which he's going to have to do soon? So one of these pieces that I found, um, there's this, a blog that seems to be uh, run by people who used to 
be in this cult as we've uh, as there always is always um of critics of outside critics called robert earl burton.blogspot.com and they have put up all this stuff about um this october 21st uh event that they're gearing up for at apollo right now um he is apparently telling everyone that this, he's got this October prediction. He feels good. Um, that it's going to be a worldwide disaster. And he's going to close all the different chapters of this around the world for this month. The thousand people he claims are out there. And has asked everyone to come to Apollo. To Oregon House. Um, and they're being asked to prepare for two weeks without electricity. Why, and why and, specifically and quote otherwise being off the grid and isolated from the outside world and they're like pointing out like it's really interesting to watch people who've been in this for decades like fall for it yet again you know what i mean you know what's interesting too though like and i was just as you were saying that <laughs> i'm imagining a like a day in a life of the people that believe this mm-hmm. and then how like how are they what are they doing leading up to this I Were mean, they're explaining su- to, like their job and like they're their supposed to be living in the, family. They're, they're supposed to be living in the present moment, <laughs> and I guess not thinking too far beyond it, uh, which is interesting. So they're also mm-hmm. cleansing out people who don't believe, and he wants loyalty. <laughs> cleansing out. I know. I know. Uh, he um, is having like a bunch of. They're having all these meetings. And um, he's planning some kind of conscious being announcement. Oh, okay. Whatever that means. So does he really believe this? Like, that's what I want to know. I want to know how much he believes this or how much of this is like a grift. My guess is it's just like the, it really does remind me of um, the teacher, Michelle uh, Andreas, you know, in that I think he just wants rich people to fund his lifestyle and wants to be surrounded by a, a, a you know adoring people who will listen to his bullshit yeah they've had meeting upon meeting apparently getting ready for this october 21st prediction and they talk about food storage extra eyeglasses and weapons concerning <gasps> yeah well um i mean i there's part of me that feels like this weird worry talking about this that like you know we're gonna put this episode out and in a month, this guy's gonna preside over some kind of terrible um, tragedy or something. But hopefully, it's just more bluster. But has anything in like the previous times has no. anything like that happened? Hmm. No, not that I know of. And and he believes uh, so. And he hasn't really been specific about his pre- about his prediction this time. Of which of course not. Which, you know, I mean, maybe he's learned that lesson at least, but the possibilities are fire, earthquake, volcano, civil unrest, and just no electricity for two weeks. Well, no electricity civil for- unrest <laughs> is already happening, so yeah, he could yeah. very easily claim that and be like, see, I told you. Well, and they're like, wouldn't people be safer staying at their homes than coming right. to Apollo? Um, and apparently he, according to this blog, like, people are beginning to question, like, is this dude sane? Um, so now they're beginning to question. I don't know. He's also been on a, he's also been on a, they say a multi-year buying spree of fireplaces, statues, and chandeliers. 
and also toilet paper. Wait. So at least at least they've got a lot of toilet paper. Hold that's on. good. Fireplaces? Yeah, that's what it says. Like what what? I don't know. And they're planning for like maximum security. So who knows? Fireplaces. Yeah. So this is so it seems like this nuttiness continues, you know what I mean? Like, um and so the winery is kind of interesting in that fireplaces i'm sorry i'm just like i know what? i know i know like the tapes so clearly like not an in the wall fireplace like something you plug in i don't know no it's got to be like them ha- it probably isn't in the wall fireplace because he's thinking they won't have electricity and it'll be cold so he's probably having but don't you have to have like fireplaces like you have to have a chimney built and like, right that'd be my guess would be imagine that imagine if it was just one of those fireplaces it. that you plug in and it has like the <laughs> fake log of you the light you can't plug it in because there's no electricity i know but imagine if it was that would be amazing like if he got those and plugged them in but like didn't tell people they were plugged in and was just trying to like get one over on everybody with these fucking fake fireplaces that'd be so good so basically this guy <laughs> made wines for many many years here he eventually decided that this is a cult and he and his wife started sort of like preparing themselves to leave and sort of building their own kind of property nearby and he was able to like sort of get the grapes and they call their wine uh close saron c or clo i guess clo saron which i'm sure i'm saying terribly i'm sorry winemaker people it's a c l o s s a r n and black pearl is one of their their big wines um, and then there was another couple that just happened to taste Black Pearl and were looking for something to do with their lives who sort of ended up as the caretakers of this property. Uh-huh. And I mean, the the description of the making of the wine is kind of nuts because one of the reasons they were able to build this giant, massive winery in this kind of inhospitable, like sort of terraced location is because they had all this free labor so like everyone would be called you mean in slaves, basically, or yeah. well, I mean, worse than that because they're tithing ten percent of their income, outside income too, and then being forced to work. So, so they're slaves, and they're also getting like robbed. Right. I mean, I guess they got free wine or whatever. <laughs> like, and and so they basically they dug out like all these terraces, terraces and planted. Uh, people would be asked to come in and stay during the harvest to help produce the wine. Um, and so there's all these great, really interesting photos. And this guy basically just turned out to have a real knack for winemaking. And it turned out that randomly this soil where in place where they were just happens to yield like these really remarkable grapes. So it's just like this whole random sequence of events that sort of have led to this kind of like magical little known sort of wine, um, wine thing and they had no publicity plan for their for the vineyard obviously they just kind of threw out some wine uh like six years old um you know they didn't even do it right away and um so whenever their wines got praised they would just Mm -hmm. increase the price (laughs) that was their that was basically the only um 
the only thing that was happening. And so this was also like during the period when people started to think California wines were good, right? Mm -hmm. And so they were kind of trying to sell wines to Europe and they weren't. So I don't really know that much about wine, even though I like to drink it. Um, So this piece is really interesting because she really like gets into the nitty gritty of all this stuff. But in the meantime, you know, like these, everyone, a lot of people were getting sort of disenchanted with what's going on and this guy's rules. Um, and so like, basically one of the, like one of the questions she asked this guy was, did you know how good these wines were? And he's like, well, you know, it's hard for him to answer because he was indoctrinated to believe that everything they did was the best. You know what I mean? So like, even if the wines had been shitty, they would have to like convince themselves they were good, I guess. But he was like, at the same time, like even before, you know, when they're in the barrel, they're great. Um, So basically the original person steps down and then he takes over and really like makes this hugely good thing. Um, And, and really simplified like the whole process of it. So then the, all this, you know, all the bad things started happening um, to the cult. And basically, no, with, with the less people and less money, um, you know, it was hard for them to keep running the winery at the level that they had. Um, he was like, he basically said it, it had to shrink in order to continue. Mm-hmm. Um, and for years, he asked them to downsize and they wouldn't. Right. And uh, the board finally agreed to do what he wanted after the apocalypse prediction in 1998 failed. Um, and they, <laughs> they just, just they just, so funny. it was, I know they were going to come, well, they were going to convert the land, but they decided not to because it was too expensive. So they right. just left some of these vines and even some of the ripped out vines like have lived. And so even now they've been left unpruned and unpicked for like 20 years, Holy she says, shit. but they're still standing and they're kind of bringing them back. Um, their current caretaker, one of the guys that, that came to work there, basically says, rootstock that refuses to die. So they had, so, you know, basically there's all this kind of drama going on among these winemakers and it's difficult to see, like, if they actually do manage to, like, sell all this off. Like, will these people have access to the grapes or you know what will happen so it's, new people bought this winery no so oh. they they can't oh my afford God, someone to... should buy like this is i such... know i know I w- how much are they selling the winery for can we make that our patreon i mean maybe part of it has been sold so they're all farming there there's just 33 acres of renaissance's original 365 remain Um, so I don't know if they're just totally overgrown or if they have been sold. Um, I'm sure that's in this long piece somewhere, but I can't find it. Um, but they, you know, basically they're, they, they don't, these people are just trying to make wine while they can because the fellowship, um, closed down the winery, but they still own this property. So once they, you know, if this guy dies is basically the question. So they do still own it. They just they don't do have the, it. they just, they still own the property and all that. So the question is when he dies, is Apollo get sold off? Um, will there be some kind of like war among followers for it? Um, and you know, maybe somebody will buy it at some point. So they're basically like sad and just kind of trying to like keep it going and make their own wines. 
um, knowing that they probably will get kicked off the property at some point. Um, but they're sort of making their own wines under new, new things. Um, so it's, in- so, I mean, it's interesting, like who knows, maybe there'll be a whole nother like a winery that wi- rises up here once the sky passes on. Um, cause he's getting, you know, up there at this point. So this is the fellowship. I mean, who believes that everything's going to end? Um, you know, on the 21st, he believes all kinds of crazy shit, according to this website. Um, apparently they don't talk much about the fourth way anymore, so it's probably So evolved. do they just not believe that anymore? No, I think they do. It's just that he probably got bored talking about the same stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, fourth I way. have the feeling that a lot of it is just his, what he So here we go. So here's the fourth way. So it's, ooh. And harmonizes what he saw as three established traditional quote unquote ways or schools. So this is like an actual thing. I guess they kind of adopted. Co-opted. Yep. Yeah. Although it sounds very mishmashy itself. Well, supposedly the guy that created it, he was inspired by his travel throughout the East. Oh, this is uh, something I haven't seen yet. Burton advances a worldview that hell exists, but the only and the only way to avoid going there is join the Fellowship of Friends. <laughs> well, obviously, as if that needed to be said. Every single person who does not join, and if people leave, they're warned, you're going to go to hell. Ah, so according to the guy whose name I cannot pronounce. I that, know. <laughs> Uspinski or... No, the guy that created the fourth way. Uh-huh. He taught that there were traditional paths to spiritual enlightenment. And they followed one of three ways. The way of the fakir, a fakir? I guess it's like a... Yeah, like it a certain, works. Yeah. A teacher in, in certain traditions. Okay, yeah. the way of the monk, the way of the yogi, or the fourth way, which was quicker than the first three. And it combined <laughs> all three. So it was like the Voltron of enlightenment. Because it the combined vo- the Voltron of enlightenment. <laughs> <laughs> so a wine cult that has a winery still, but it's so all like, fucked up. Honestly, like a good, uh, like you know, it does sound like a pretty ideal place to live if you didn't have this creep, like all the other bullshit, <laughs> right? It's really too bad they had to ruin it. But just think if a crow, just think if the Crone Coven had. Had uh, had its own winery. <laughs> Actually, I'd rather just to have large shipments of wine delivered to the Chrome Coven. <laughs> yeah, just send us wine. Good wine, though. I'd like good wine. Well, that was um <laughs> okay. Random, yeah. That was super wit- random, but it's a cult, so it counts. <laughs> and you know, you never know if October twenty first, you're suddenly might without right. power for two weeks. You don't know why. It's amazing. (laughs) I really want to try a bottle of their wine, though. But here's the thing. I want to try a bottle of their wine, but I don't want to financially support them anyway. I know. I know. So I'm feeling very conflicted. It's like, should I, like, how do you offset buying that bottle of wine? Like, maybe give whatever I spend on the wine in a donation to... Here's Like, an organization for former, like, cult... I don't know. I wish that the, I wish somebody would do a documentary about these people or something because I mean, like, I'm so curious. There's like so few details about some of this stuff that's so interesting. Yeah, like like they had a zoo, a fully functional <laughs> zoo. 
<laughs> like fuck? what animals were in it how did they know, treat there's them there's so many questions there's did so many they questions. have someone who was a professional how I did mean, somebody from disney end up buying like chinese antiques from them through christie's through christie's auction house oh that's true that's true these wines do sound great. Although they we do. could although we could always buy Bindstock wines because those aren't the money isn't going to them. The black pearl is the one that supposedly is good. Let's see how much that is. I think that one was like seventy five dollars. On that note, I now have the sudden urge for a glass of wine. Oh, they're about sixty bucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or thirty five. Some of them are only thirty five. Huh. We can afford that. I can afford that. <laughs> So that's what we'll do. We'll get this 2015 Tickled Pink wine. <laughs> that's an amazing name. <laughs> it really is. It sounds delicious. And it's only 35 bucks. And okay. the next time we are in the same place, we will drink it. Comic-Con. Well, actually, I'm not going to be at Comic-Con after all. <gasps> oh, God. You're, this is over. They decided, to, <laughs> they decided to send me to a different, to Emerald City instead. Oh, wait. No, but that's next year. Yeah. All right, well, then I'll see you at Emerald City. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'll see you in January. We when decided... Emerald City? February. It's in February. Or March, yeah. It's like, it's yeah. one of those. It's yeah. like end of February, yeah. Yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, this is going to be a short episode. I feel bad. That's okay. I think okay. we're allowed to have short episodes once in a yeah. while. And, you know, so that's uh, that's the wine cult. <laughs> I feel... Fellowship of Friends. Conflicted, but I also feel like I now need a glass of wine. Yeah, so me too. I'm going to do that and then finish cleaning my apartment and do dishes. But for everybody that's listening, you know, you can always find us on social media at Cult Faves on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. If you have questions, comments, funny anecdotes, conspiracy you can email theories. Us. <laughs> yeah, email us. Please email us. That's the best way. Cult Faves Podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, leave some love on iTunes or wherever you're listening to podcasts where you can rate podcasts. And you can always swing by our Patreon, Cult Faves, to, you know, give us a couple bucks, literally. Literally. <laughs> and get some funky bonuses. Um, one of which is Cocktails and Colts. Which we're so, going to be doing very soon. Yeah. Like, hi, more reason why we need this cult wine. Yeah. Specifically for that. Yeah, that's a good point. I know. I'm going to work on this. <laughs> I think we can expense it. All right. Well, <laughs> that's it for now. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.